are some things I may not know. There are some places I can go, but I am sure of this one thing that God is real. Oh, I Some folks may scorn All can desert And leave me alone But as for me He 
Giving honor to God, to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, church, I could say amen and we could go home. The Spirit of the Lord is here. I can feel him in the atmosphere. The Spirit of the Lord is here. We thank you for this awesome opportunity to be with you today. We thank you for the wonderful relationship that, um, that we have had with this church and, and with many of you personally. You all are a great people. We thank God for you. To your pastor, I've never met a more humble man. I've never met a more loving man than Pastor Horsley. I thank the Lord for him, and I thank the Lord for what he's going to do 
um, through the ministry that he's given to him and where he's going to carry this church uh, as a result of his awesome leadership. So, Pastor, thank you for your commitment to, to serve Jesus, to go with him all the way. The choir sang, I know that he's real. Before we leave today, I pray that each one of us will ask ourselves the question, am I 100% sure that he's real? Is he real in my life? You see, there's no doubt that he's alive and well today because as I stated, I can sense the presence of the Lord here today. So I know that he's real in some of our lives. But before we leave today, I pray that each person on the side of my voice will ask the question, is he real? Can I feel him in my soul? Today, I would like to share with you for a few moments from 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Those who have their Bibles and would like to follow along with me, we encourage you to do that. 1 Peter chapter 5. And if I was to choose a title for this time with you today, it would simply be the Super Bowl of your soul. The Super Bowl of your soul. You see, I know some of you are already getting geared up for 2020 Super Bowl. If you think people don't do that, go down to Walmart, form a relationship with the manager there at Walmart, and they'll tell you how many 70-inch screen TVs come back at the Super Bowl. You see, we've got to have that big screen TV so we go out and we buy it so that we'll be in the crowd and we'll carry it back after Super Bowl is over. But I've got to have one in my man cave when Super Bowl comes around. But I want you to know that the Super Bowl is, is, is a challenge. It's a game that, that everybody gears up for and everybody gets hyped up. And don't let your team be one of the teams that's going to the Super Bowl. Some of you have already made predictions who's going to be in the 2020 Super Bowl. I think it's going to be played in Florida this, this coming year, this year. Is that my correct? So some of you have already figured out who your team is going to be. And if your team is going to be there, predictions are already out there. But I want you to know that there is another contest that's taking place, right. and it's called the Super Bowl for your soul. Right. You see, we have an enemy. Yes, God is real. I can feel him deep in my soul, but I want you to know as I stand today that there's an enemy that's alive and well today as well. There's an enemy that's alive and well, and sometimes we choose to forget about the fact that he's on the scene. But I think we, don't, we need not to glorify him. We need not to build him up in strength, but we need to recognize that he's there. That's right. You see, if you didn't know that there was a cholesterol issue then you might not take your statins, so you may end up with a heart attack. But if you know that there's an issue going on in your body, then you can do preventative maintenance to make sure that you live the healthiest life that God will allow you to live. So there's an enemy out there. He's the enemy of our soul. In fact, the Bible tells us that that enemy comes for three reasons. To steal. You all already know this. Thank you, Pastor Horton, for doing your job. Now I can move on. First Peter chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 5 through 9. Amen. Verses 5 through 9, and it simply reads as thus. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. Yea, all of you 
be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and he giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. And then he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You see, if I had the playbook for the Dallas Cowboys, my Redskins would get a win the next time we faced them. If I only knew what plays, what strategies they were using, we could get a win. Can I get an amen? I mean, come on, man. I know we're in church, but I mean, how many? Never mind. So, our enemy, he's the coach of one team, but how many of y'all know that? That God that we just sing about that's alive and well today, Jesus Christ, he's the coach of the other team. All right. So we should never, ever lose because we have, a in, we have the inside scoop because the God that I serve is omniscient, which means that he knows the... In fact, the Bible says it this way, that we are not ignorant of the devices of the devil. He should never get a toehold on us because we are not ignorant of his We know which plays he's going to use. He ran the same play yesterday in somebody's life that he ran in the Garden of Eden because he don't have anything new. The same play that he ran when Adam and his bride was in Eden, he ran that same play and it tore somebody's life up just on yesterday. Church, when are we going to wake up to the devices of our enemy? You see, there's a Super Bowl for our soul. And today, in the few minutes that I have left with you, we want to talk about four different points. We want to talk about four different points to this Super Bowl. We're going to talk about the players in the battle. We're going to talk about the plays in the battle. We're going to talk about the prayers in the battle. And then we want to talk about the people in this battle. And, and the people in this battle, I go ahead and, and give you all a clue that the people in this battle, some of them are sitting in this room right here and right now. Pastor Horsa, every time I turn on Cornwallis Road, I kind of chuckle. When I look across the street and I see where it says the assembly of the Jehovah's Witness, and then I look to the left and I see the three crosses up on the hill that don't mean anything to them. And then I think about, as a player in this game, I think about the years when I was such a disgrace to the body of Christ, and I used to say things like the Jehovah's False Witnesses, and I thought that was cute. And then one day God slapped me up beside my head and let me realize that they are people who have a soul that need to be saved, that you need to be concerned about enough to share the gospel. And I thank you for your mission as you read it today. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, all ethne, all groups of people. 
Teach them what? The gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Getting people saved and getting them baptized and getting them grounded in the most holy faith. And then teaching them how to go back and, and, and teach the rest of their people how to be saved and, and get them baptized and get them rooted in the most holy faith. But somewhere the ball stopped. Because when the last time you've seen people come to the altar give their life to Jesus Christ and say, I want to be baptized. You know, there used to be a time where people did that all the time. But nowadays, it seems that the enemy is getting a foothold. It seems like his team is being advanced over the team of Jesus Christ. But we have all the tools. We have all the tools. Now, Peter was very careful to share with us. He started out talking about the younger. He talking about respect. I remember a time when I grew up, Oh, if they even look like they were two years older than you, you put a handle on their name. Now you walk up to this lovely young lady and you say, yes, ma'am, I'm not old. <laughs> we're living in a different time. The scripture said, woe unto them that call right wrong and wrong right, exchange light for darkness and darkness for light. The enemy has, 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 has threw a lie in there and we believe that lie. He talked about respect. Showing respect. If I can't give respect to this brother for the position that God has called him to, something seriously wrong with my soul. Amen. Then he moves on and he said, in verse 6, he said, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him because he careth for you. I want you to know that Jesus Christ careth for you. Jesus Christ cares for everyone that's assembled over there as lost as they are across that street today. The word of God says, Peter went on to say that God is not slack concerning his promises toward us as some men count as slackness, but he's long-suffering, not willing that anyone perish, but that everybody come to repentance. God wants people, in fact, the book of Revelation tells us that around the throne of God, there will be people from every nationality standing around the throne, worshiping God together as a result of faithful service to those of us who will do what God is bidding us to do. And just for those of us who will not do what we call to do, he have 144 plus two reserved to make sure that his word gets out to everyone. He said, casting your care upon him. How many of you have a care today? If you understand how far we are down in the fourth quarter, we should have a care. Because the Super Bowl for our soul is about to run out. The time, the clock is running down. We don't have much time left to get the bidding done that God has called us to do. There's still a lost world right outside our door. There's still a lost world right outside of our job. There's still lost family members in our family that we've not reached out to because I'm so comfortable sitting in my ivory palace that I could care less about those who are struggling in the world today. It's fourth quarter. The clock is running out. We don't have much time. But the word of God said, casting your cares upon him. Now, 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 there's two kinds of casting that Peter talks about. The first kind of casting that Peter talks about is the kind of casting. I remember when I was a teenager, I was walking out to Northampton County High School East. And I don't know if anybody on the board, y'all might make me pay for this now. I don't know, but I'm going to tell it. I don't have any better thing to tell. But I, we were, me and a group of guys, we were walking from Faison's Old Tavern. And I picked up this beautiful round stone. You're not going to report me, are you? 
Okay, and, and, and all the way from Faith of Old Tavern to Northampton East School, I would throw that stone, I would cast it, and every time it would be right in my steps, and I would pick it up, and I would throw that stone, and every, it would be right in my, and I threw that stone all the way till I got to the school. And we walked on that East Hall, and I cast that stone one last time, and it went all the way down, and just as it got to the end, it bounced, and it jumped up and it hit the window in the door, and it shattered it, and I disappeared. <laughs> you see, I picked it up and I cast it, I picked it up and I cast it, I picked it up and I cast it until I messed up. But then there's another casting where a little boy walks out to the lake and he takes his rock and he skips it across the water, never to see it again. Church, we need to stop coming to the altar bringing our concerns and then turning around and throwing the bag back across our shoulder and walking out the door carrying the same baggage back home that we brought with us to the altar. Amen. If God is real, if he's able to do anything that he wants to do, then he can work out that situation in your life. But we got to have faith that he's going to do it. There's no need to bring your burden to the Lord and carry them back home with you. Bring them to the Lord and leave them there. So you see that NFL Super Bowl, you know, it, it, it comes once a year. But this Super Bowl for our soul, it is 60 seconds of every minute. It is 60 minutes of every hour. It is 24 hours of every day. It is seven days in every week. It is 28 to 31 days in every month. And it is 12 months out of every year. We don't have a time to go on vacation. We don't have a time to lay down. I heard people say, I'm going to lay my religion down. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Well, if you can lay your religion down to give them a piece of your mind, you didn't have much of a mind to begin with. It's time for us to realize that we are on duty 24-7 from the time that I received Jesus Christ in June of 1971 until the day that I'm raptured out of here or I'm stretched out in a box. I am on call. I'm on duty 24-7 and I've got to represent my God in this world that he placed me in because we're in the fourth quarter and time is running out. We've got to get some wins here. We've got to move the ball to the finish line. We've got to move this gospel throughout this world to get people saved and get them fired up for Jesus Christ so we can go back to living in houses where we can leave our doors unlocked if we choose to do that. You see, every time there's an issue, I hear them complaining about more stricter gun laws. The gun didn't do anything but what it was designed to do. It's the heart of man. If we were, if we were focused on the heart of man, we will fix the problems in this world today. If we will focus on the heart of man, if, if we will see the importance of sharing the gospel everywhere we go. Our, the word of God says in Matthew chapter 5, let your light so shine. See, I'm talking to Christians right now. I'm talking to those of you who have professed Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. We're going to talk to the rest, uh, as Steve Harvey said, we can get to the rest of the story later. But right now, we're talking to us. We're talking to Christians, those who have professed Christ as our Savior. The Word of God says, we are to let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? And do what with it? 
and glorify the Father. You see, our enemy is active. He's running those same old plays, the same one that we should have caught from the last time we messed up. But our heads are so far in the sand until we missed it. It went right over our head. And, and you know what he's doing? The enemy is so busy, he's using every tactic. He's using every trick that he has. He's using every temptation that he has to get us to fall. You see, he just wants us to disobey God. If you all remember Balaam and Balak, you remember what that was all about? Balaam wanted the people of God cursed because he was afraid of them. Um, I mean, Balak. Balaam was a hireling, and he would do anything for a dollar. So, so when he came to him and said, I, 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 we need to get rid of God would not allow him to curse his people. You all don't have to worry about being cursed of God. God would not allow anyone to curse his people. But let me tell you what he did. He said, I'll tell you what you do. God won't let me curse them. But if you would teach them to go down to those Moabitish women and start sleeping with those women and, ha and cohabitating with them and start worshiping their God, God would get so mad with them that he'll destroy them. And it worked. It worked. The doctrine that was mentioned as a, that was mentioned as a doctrine of Balaam in the book of Revelation. I mean, uh, the teaching in the book of Revelation is called a doctrine. It went on to become a doctrine. Satan is using the same tactics today, trying to fool people, manipulate people. He, he, all he wanted to do is to get us to disobey God so that God would shut off the stream of blessings that are in our lives. If he can shut you up, if he can shut you up, then he had just pushed the ball to another first down. If he can just shut you up. Do not shut up. Last week we talked about the children, uh, the Hebrew boys, and when, 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 when Daniel's three compadres was, was standing there and that 90-foot tall statue was erected. And they say when the music plays, all this music plays, I want everybody to bow down at this dedication. And I want you to worship this statue. Well, when everybody bowed, God's people were standing up. And later on, when everybody else was standing up, Daniel was bowing down praying. You see, Christians are always going against the tide. We don't ever fit in. We don't ever fit in with the world. We're always running against the tide. We're like a salmon. We're doing everything we can trying to swim up, swim up screen because this world is not our home. You see, Satan is in control right now, so we can't afford to get comfortable in this world. We're at war, saints. We're at war, and we need to stand fast. The word of God says, and having done all to stand, Ephesians chapter 6, stand, dig, dig your cliques into the soil, and if you cannot advance the enemy, hold the territory that God has given you. Hold on, because help is on the way. I guarantee you. God will never forsake. He'll never leave us alone. He'll never pull back the truth. He'll always be right in our corner. But the enemy wants to get us to disobey God because he realized if he can get us to disobey God, we're going to be, we're going to be in, a, in a mess of trouble. We must stand against. We must stand against. The, the word of God says in verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring, ferocious lion, I threw ferocious in there, but as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Be sober. Now that word sober means sober-minded, okay? Peter used this word about three different times before he got to, to chapter 5. Uh, it means sober-minded the first couple times that he used it. But this word here in chapter 5 is a little bit different. It means a little bit more than sober-minded. It means sober in body as well. You see, you can't tarry long at the wine and expect to do the bidding of God. I, I don't know about you all. I never was able to drink to God be the glory. 
Um, and, 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 and if you give me a 16 ounce slits, someone had to drive my car home for me because I couldn't, I never could handle anything. And I praise God for that every day. But you know what? Sometime in the name of being a Christian, we want to nip a little bit. We want to nip a tarry a little bit at the wine and expect to do the bidding of God. We got to have our mind sober because the enemy, is, he never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's always trying to ease one in on him. We have to be, in fact, the Bible calls it a circumspect walk. A circumspect walk looks kind of like this. Can you see me walking through town, spinning around in circles? But see, I can't do a 360 with my head, but we're supposed to be aware of everything going on around us at all times because we know that we have an enemy who's active, who's alive, and even though he is no challenge for my God, if I lay my guard down, I'm going to be in trouble. We need to know when he's on the move so that we can counteract. We need to make sure that we're doing the Father's bidding. You know, you know I'm... I'm looking at the clock, man. The clock is running out. I tell you, the clock is running out. Well, you see, one of the things that happens in, in, in this battle, we've got, we, we talked about the players in the battle. That's us. We need to sharpen up, saints. We need to get, we need to get serious about the calling that's in, upon our lives. And then we need to talk about the plays in the battle. You see, Team Satan wants to, us to live according to the things of the world. That's what Team Satan wanted to do. He wanted to try to get us to, to feel comfortable, and he'll do it. You see, let me tell you something. We've got, we're living in such a dark time right now. Do you all know that my children grew up on Arthur the Oddvod? We watched so many episodes of Arthur, it, it's, it's ridiculous. But just a little while ago, do you all know that the enemy slipped in a same-sex marriage episode in Arthur? So what am I saying? I'm saying, watch your children. Because the enemy, he, he, he found out that it's easier to get the children because the parents are asleep. If you'll go to sleep or you're going to go partying and leave your children with, at home with the TV, so he's going to say he's the prince of the power of the air, he's going to use the airways. If he can get them when they're here, then they're growing up thinking it's okay. So now he's after our children. Parents, we have got to keep our children Closer. You know what, this young man right here, I appreciate him so much. I see old school parenting in this brother right here. That's what we need. We need some old school parenting. We need to know where you at. Yeah, I'm up in your business. I want to know what you're doing. I want to know who you're talking to on the phone. I want to know who you're hanging out with at school. I want to know what's important to you. It's time for us to take charge again. The word of God said children are inheritance from the Lord. Didn't say nothing about being inherited from the devil. Don't let him steal God's prizes that he given to us. My God, I got almost 13 grandchildren, and I'm telling you right now, I'm in, it for, I'm in it for the life. I'll fight to death to make sure that my grandchildren do not get overtaken by the enemy, by this team. But he wants us to live according to the offices of this world. But God has called us to something different. You see, the world says that, that, the world says that sin is, is an accident or a blunder or a disease, or a habit. They say that abortion is a choice. They say that shacking up is common law marriage. But God says in his word that homosexuality is an abomination against God. God says that abortion is murder, is not a woman's choice. That woman's blood and that baby's blood never touched each, one, each other. That baby is an individual that God has placed fearfully and wonderfully made in that womb to be the safest place in the world. But in America today, a baby don't stand a chance. It's time for us to wake up, church. 
it's time for us to start rallying the cage and making people upset because we'll stand up for what is important to God. And nowadays Christians will back up in the corner and say, well, I ain't going to say nothing because you know, it, it ain't none of my business. They're going to do what they want to do anyway. No, it's time our voice be heard. It's time our voice be heard. Okay. Um, wow. Okay, so, so, so let's talk about the player in the battle, the prayer in the battle. We, ha we have an uphill battle, saints. We have an uphill battle. In 2019, we have lost so much territory as Christians. We have lost so much territory that it is, go to Bonner Research Group and you take a survey, uh, check some of their surveys out. How many so-called evangelical Christians are actually in church today? You know what, this whole community ought to be, that, these pews are beautiful. That should not be a pew that I can see. I shouldn't even know what color these pews are this morning. Pastor Horthy should never have to preach to an empty pew with the condition of this world today. But unless there's a tragedy, people don't come because we, most people go to church on their way somewhere else or don't even go at all. Thank God for the ones who go to church on their way somewhere else. Most people don't go to church at all. They feel, well, I, I, I've got a brand new boat, man. I got to put this thing in the water. I got some jet skis, man. My children itching to get on the lake, man. We got to, but then as soon as something happens, we holler out, Lord, have mercy on us. The prayers in the battle, we need to be praying. We need to be casting our cares on the Lord. We need to be praying for our community. We need to be praying for our pastors. We need to be praying for our leaders. We need to be praying for our children. We need to be praying for our school system. You know, um, the, the word of God say in, in Isaiah 6, 5, Isaiah cried out, Woe is me, for I'm undone. We need to be praying, confessing our sins, because the word of God is very clear that we need to make sure that we keep our account short with God so that he hear us and so that God responds to our prayers. So, 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 so the prayers in the battle, we need to be praying for a change to take place. We need to pray. You know what? In fact, God never disciplines the world. He never disciplines the players on the opposing team. He only disciplines his players. You know, um, I've I, I, I never seen the Cowboys coach step across the line and discipline for some of them plays I've seen this year with Redskins. I've never seen Cowboy coach, anybody else's coach, come and discipline those guys. God only disciplines his own. But here's what the Lord said. The Lord said concerning his own, he said, if my people, he didn't say the people of the world, he said, if my people, the ones which are called by my name, if I could get them to humble themselves and to pray, and to open up this book and seek my faith and come to Bible study and seek my faith and come to prayer service and seek my faith and repent, turn from their wicked ways. God said, I would be able to do something in this earth realm that eyes have not seen, that ears have not heard, that have not even entered the heart of man. I would be able to show you all what, being, what, what, what a move of the Holy Spirit is all about. But you see, the people of God, in so many cases, are living so shabby. I'm thankful to be here today where the Spirit of God is moving because I know y'all is on the ball. But see, in some of these churches, the people of God are living so shabby that they say, well, I don't know if God does miracles anymore or not. They haven't seen God show up in a whole long time. They haven't church as usual. That's how it's going to be after the rapture take place. Many, many houses of worship are going to be business as usual and the Holy Spirit is gone. 
Anchor Bar, written over the door. People of God, I thank God for you all's vigilance. I thank God for you all's steadfastness, but it's not over yet. Uh, you can pat yourself on the back for the accomplishment that has been taking place through this ministry, but I'm here to tell you that a darker day is coming. You see, the enemy is not going to give up. He's not going to give up. He's going to keep running the same old plays. He's going to keep throwing pornography out there in front of you. I heard a report yesterday, the number of pastors who are calling in for counseling because of pornography. It's just ridiculous. It's astounding. But it's real. Pastors are real people too. Hello, don't even look around like that. Don't even look like that. They're real people too. And guess what? If, 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 if all of us open up our closet, I guarantee there's a skeleton in somebody's closet somewhere. But all I'm saying is we've got an enemy. We got an enemy who hates us as Christians. He hates us. He want to keep us down. He want to keep us beat down. He want to keep something over my head so that I say, well, God can't use me. Hey, if you got a problem, confess it, forsake it. The word of God says that he who covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoso forsaketh and confesseth shall find mercy. Amen. Hey, okay, it's time, for, it's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. The prayers in the battle. You know what? And then there is the people in the battle. We're the people in the battle. And I want to talk to the people that's represented here today. Not everybody, I'm, I'm not convinced, and I don't know anything about anybody, but I'm just saying statistics say that when you get a group of people this size together, there's somebody in that group that really don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. You see, in America today, we know, we know the language. You might learn with a few words. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got to say it real cute. Hallelujah. If you can say that like that, and if you learn how to cut a step when the drum beat go, then, then, then you're going to be welcome in, in, most, in most areas, and people are going to consider you brother and sister. But there are a lot of people who are lost. I was one of those who were lost, who taught the language, and, and did, but didn't know the Savior. So all I'm saying is that whenever a group decides, there's an opportunity, there's a possibility that somebody may not really know Jesus Christ as their Savior. This is the Super Bowl for our soul. You see, the enemy want to take us out. When the, when, when the, when the clock strikes, he want to make sure that everybody, every player is laying mortally wounded on the field. That's his goal. He don't love us. But he have a cotton candy philosophy. He'll give us as much stuff as we want. If that stuff would keep us away from God, he don't care. He'll give you, but you see cotton candy, you go to the fair with your grandbaby, and it's so beautiful, it's green, it's, it's pink, it looks so pretty, and it only costs a dollar. And you buy this big wad of cotton candy for a dollar, and as soon as they pull off a big wad and stick it in their mouth, and the saliva hits it, it's reduced to a few grains of sugar, and that ruins the rest of your day because they find that one cavity, and your day is ruined. That's Satan. That's Satan. He has a cotton candy philosophy. He will fool if you're not careful. He will fool. But here's what I want to say today in the last 30 seconds that I have. Here's what I want to say today. You see, the world will tell you and they'll explain everything away. But God said this. If you are going to call the name of Christ, he said, I expect something from you. He said, as I am holy, you be in all things. I can't be holy. You're right. Of your own, you cannot be holy. But let me tell you something. If you have living inside of you, who I have living inside of me, 
then you have everything you need because Acts 1.8 said that you shall receive power. The dudum of the dynamite power of God when the Holy Spirit comes and God gives you power for living. He gives you power for living. He gives you power to walk right. He gives you power to talk right. He gives you power to act right. He gives you power to go against the grain of this world. He gives you power to stand flat-footed and call sin, sin. He, and not worry about who likes you and who don't like you. God gives you power to represent him. I want to challenge you today, if you're under the sound of my voice, if you are not 100% sure today that you have repented of your sin, that you have made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior by confessing your sins and inviting Christ to be the Savior of your Lord, if you am Savior of your life, if you've never done that, I challenge you, do not let the last quarter run down before you make that decision. In fact, I will beg you, I, I'm like Paul, I beseech you, I beg you, by the mercies of God, do not walk out of that door today if you're not sure that you know Jesus Christ without you coming to the front and giving this pastor your hand, but giving Jesus your heart and committing to serve right here would be a good place as far as I'm concerned, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of you who I've trusted Christ, but you've been sitting on the sideline. You've, you've had an injury, and you've not been able to get back in the Super Bowl. You've had an injury. I don't know what it was. Maybe you lied on your taxes last year, and you just haven't been able to get over there. Maybe you had a situation where you got involved with someone who's not your spouse. Maybe that took place to you. Maybe, maybe you've done something even worse than that. I don't care what it is. I want you today not to walk back out of that door because, you see, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about something most people don't talk about. 1 Corinthians 5, 5, I'm really getting ready to go, y'all, says this. It talks about a young man who had his mother-in-law. He was sleeping with his mother-in-law. And the word of God says, to deliver such a one into the hands of Satan for the destruction of the body that the soul might remain saved in the day of the Lord. You see, if I get big-headed and want to do my own thing, if I want to have a, what that Burger King have it your way? If I want to live that kind of lifestyle, God will deliver me over to Satan, and I would die prematurely before God would allow me to ruin. So if you're on the sideline because of some sin in your life, hey, would you confess it today? I promise you, if you confess, the word of God says, if we confess our sins, he, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, A-L-L, all unrighteousness. God will give you a brand new standing. You will be squeaky clean. No sin to your account if you will come and refess, confess that sin before him today. He will restore you back. He'll put you on the front line and allow you to take Team Jesus to victory in the Super Bowl for your soul. As this choir would sing something softly, as this choir sings something softly, if you're here today, if you know that you need Jesus, you never trust the Christ, don't, don't, don't play Russian roulette. Death is sure. Life is short. Death is sure. Sin is the cause, but Christ is the cure. He want to meet you here today. He want to give you eternal life. He want to change your last name and give you his name. He wants you today. If you're here, you're sitting on the sideline and you need to confess something. You don't have to confess it out loud. Just come before God. Tell him your faults between you and him. 
but come and confess your sin today so he can put you back in the team. God needs all hands on deck. And if you are here today and you are walking, that you're living that spirit-filled life and you're walking with Jesus every single day, I want you to stand to your feet and I, because we need you to be praying right now as well. Praying that the Spirit of God will have free course in this place today. That God's will would be done. That he would be glorified. Would you sing choir?